Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Taking a look at this passage obviously draws our attention to the Great Commission and to the calling that God has given to us and really given to every believer. And just taking a note at verse number 18, even before he gets into the command, this is probably a passage that if you've been in church for a while, you'll be quite familiar with, and we'll get into it in just a few moments. But just to kind of preface and set the scene for what is going on as Jesus is about to give these commands, he says in verse number 18, the Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven, and in earth. Just to give you a little bit of an idea, in a couple of verses earlier, we see that Jesus had appointed for the disciples to meet with him at a particular place, at a particular time. And so he drew the disciples together. He has obviously already died uh, on the cross. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again. And for 40 days, he showed himself to the disciples and to others as well. And the Bible says that he appointed them to a specific place. And in verse number 18, he comes and he says a few words. These are the last words of Jesus Christ before he ascended into heaven, which makes these words particularly important, right? You would think the very last words that somebody were to speak would draw kind of some special attention to these words. We might uh, uh, listen a little bit more to these words. And so Jesus here comes and before he ascends into heaven, he gives these few words, this short command that is given to us. And certainly if if God has recorded these last words for us, it should mean that it's a priority for us. And so we're going to take a look at this, and we see the declaration of Jesus. There's something interesting that he, uh, the, that he says, and he, and he uses this phrase to preface the command that he's about to give. In verse number 18, he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus declares that all power is his. The idea here is that all power, really indicating all authority, is given to me. That Jesus is in charge, that Jesus is over all, that Jesus is the highest authority in heaven and in earth. So if Jesus is the highest authority, whatever he says goes, right? Whatever command that he gives is the one that we should listen to. There might be a lot of people in between, but if you go all the way to the top, then you'll know, well, if, if Jesus said that, if God said that, then, well, we should probably listen and we should probably obey. Maybe some other people will say some different things, but Jesus says, this is what I want and all authority is given to me, which gives a lot of authority to those who follow his command. Those of us that are messengers for the Lord have a lot of authority, not because of who we are, but because of who we obey, because of who we serve. I have, uh, I have two children, two little children, and uh, usually, you know, her mother, uh, their mother or me, we're going to tell our kids to go do something. Every once in a while, though, we'll have like one child in the room with us and one child somewhere else. Every once in a while, I'll tell one child to go tell the other child to go do something. Go tell your sister to come over here. Go tell your sister to clean up your toys or whatever, things like that. Now, if my, if my kids go over there, one of my kids goes over there and says, Daddy said you need to clean up your toys, there's a lot of authority there, right? 
Dad said you have to clean up your toys. I'm not telling you, Dad is telling you. Right? That's a big difference between Dad told you to clean up your toys and I'm telling you to clean up your toys. <laughs> Those are two totally different statements. Why? Even though it's the same person and it's the same message, it is the authority that makes a big difference. And for those of us that are believers, it is the authority that we serve under that gives us the right to go out and to obey the command, which we'll get to in just a few moments. The third thing I want to notice before we get into the command is the domain of Jesus that encourages soul winning. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. What God is saying, what Jesus is saying is, I have all authority everywhere. No matter where you go, I am an authority in that place. Now, in my home, all power is given unto me, <laughs> right? In the walls of my house, in my home where I live, all power is given unto me. What I say goes, all right? Because that's where I have authority. Now, if I were to go over to your house, I could not just say whatever I wanted to say and tell other people what to do because I do not have authority there. That's not my house. It's somebody else's house. So over there, somebody ha else has the right to tell people what to do. This is how we do it here. This is what I would like for you to do. In my house, I'm the one with authority. But what God is saying is there is no place that is outside the bounds of my authority. Everything is in my authority. I like how he says, in heaven and in earth. There are some people that are not on earth right now. <laughs> They're in the space station. They're not on earth. God still has authority there. Amen? God has authority everywhere. So we see that clearly soul winning is the priority of Jesus Christ. He makes sure that the disciples come. He makes a clear declaration of his authority. These are the last words that he says before he goes and ascends into heaven. It is clearly a priority for Jesus Christ. And the question I want to answer today is, who is soul winning for? So we're talking about fall outreach and uh, through the next several months and the num uh, next number of weeks uh, that those of us that are believers should try to reach somebody with the gospel, invite somebody to the church, uh, hand out an invitation, share with them the gospel, talk to them about spiritual matters, find out about them, build some relationships, all sorts of things in regards to this. And I want to answer the question, all right, for all of these things that we kind of encompass together and call and maybe package together, we might call soul winning. Who is soul winning for? All right. So first of all, I see soul winning is for everyone. Amen? <laughs> soul winning is for everyone. Verse number 19, go ye therefore. All right? Go ye therefore. The word ye means you. It means you all, right? If we were in the South, we would say y'all, okay? So go y'all therefore, all right? Southern preacher might even say it that way. So it means every one of you, this is for all of you, all right? Every believer, that's for you. If you're a Christian, soul winning is for you. Now, I know that we live in a culture and we live in a day and age where everybody kind of has specializations, right? 
if you work for a company, everybody's got their own little thing that they do as a part of the, of the whole, the organization or the business, right? You have different people. You got the sales team. You got some people in sales. They go out and they make pitches to clients and different people, try to get a sale, try to get somebody to sign on the dotted line. Then on the other side, you have some you know, people who might be accountants. They take care of the books and the finances and the money coming in and the money going out. Then you got management. You got some people that are kind of overseeing the accountants overseeing some sales teams. You have some HR, you need some HR just to take care of all of the, those uh, matters. And you have an IT department just to make sure everybody's computer is working, everybody's software is working, everybody's got the right things. And, and you have all of these different people and everybody does their own job, right? You wouldn't expect the sales team members to go take a look at the financial books and figure out, all right, how much money is coming in and how much money is going out, how much money do we have in the bank? You wouldn't expect them to do that because, well, you're part of the sales team. That's what you do. You stick with sales because you're part of the sales team. Accountants, all right, you might have a great heart, but why don't you stick with the accounting, you know? And everybody's got their little role. You wouldn't expect people from different teams to do the jobs of different individuals. And of course, here in the church, we do have people with different roles, right? You have some teachers, you have some servants, you have different people doing different things within the church. Everybody's got a different role, we understand that. But when it comes to soul winning, that's part of the job description of every Christian, no matter your role. Right? If you go to work, you, you, know, you get a job, you probably get something with, uh, this is the job description. Maybe when you apply, they have a short job description. These are the things that we expect for you to do. These are the things that we expect for you to know. You know, we're, we're kind of all familiar with that. No matter the role for a Christian within the church, every single role carries with it the role of soul winning. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So every believer is a light. And we need to be the light that shines out the gospel into a needy world. Now, we can all be better lights, amen? We could all shine brighter, but every Christian is a light. Philippians chapter 2, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Every Christian can be a soul winner as soon as they are saved. Amen? As soon as you're saved, you can be a soul winner. Sometimes people think, oh, I need to learn so much more in order to be a soul winner. If you're saved, you can lead somebody else to the Lord. Sometimes people think, oh, I need to, you know, really mature and kind of grow to be a mature Christian, and we should all have that desire. But even if you're not, you're still a new believer, you can still lead others to the Lord. We see a number of different passages. Acts chapter number 9 talks about somebody who is just saved. Saul is his name at the time. We know him as Paul the Apostle. And the Bible says that when he got saved, it says, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. So right away, he got saved and he began to tell others about Jesus Christ. Acts chapter number four. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled 
and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. So here are these highly educated religious scholars asking questions to Peter and John, which if you know, they're fishermen, all right? They don't have a college degree. They didn't go to seminary. They are just working regular jobs. And they're asking them all of these questions, these religious questions. And they're like, we don't know, the, we don't know what you're talking about. But what we do know is that Jesus died. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again for your sins. And you can be saved. So we see that Peter and John, uh, they, they weren't able to answer all of the questions of the religious elites and the scholars but they were able to make a difference because they had spent time with the Lord. They had grown in the Lord and they were bold to preach the gospel. And we see this attitude that they carried in Acts chapter number four, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's really what the attitude of a soul winner is, which is, uh, I don't know everything that is out there. I'm just going to tell you what I have seen and what I have heard. I'm going to tell you what happened to me. I'm going to tell you how I got saved. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about your sin. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you how you could go to heaven. In John chapter 9, there's a passage where Jesus is in Jerusalem and he sees a man that is blind. And in the Bible, blindness is a picture of sin. It's a picture that there is a sin, and that's why those that are lost are described as being in darkness. They're blind, they cannot see, so there's a picture that is there. And Jesus heals this man. Jesus heals the blind man, and the Pharisees look at him, and he, being blind his whole life, is now looking at them, and they don't know what to do. And so they start asking him questions. They start asking the parents questions. Is this really your boy that was born blinded? But how is he able to see? And the parents, were they were a little intimidated. And they said, oh, we, we know that's our son. We know he was born blind. Now, how he's able to see? Oh, we don't know. He's a grown man. Ask him for yourself. You know, they were a little intimidated. And so they went back to the man. And they said, all right, answer some of these questions. In John chapter 9, verse number 24, he said, Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. I don't know. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. What a great testimony. They were trying to say, What, what, what about this person? Is he a sinner? And what about? And he's like, I can't answer your questions. All I know is I used to be blind, but now I can see. <laughs> uh, that's what I know. And what a great testimony. And everybody looking around is going, uh, what, what can you say? He was blind and now he can see. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, there was, there was nothing else to say. And so no matter who you are as a Christian, you can be a soul winner. I know we have a kids class right now, so we might not have, you know, many kids in here. But uh, if you're a child and you're saved, you can be a soul winner. You could lead somebody to the Lord and just say to your friend at school, you could talk to them about, you know, your church and invite them over. And you could say, you know what? I'm saved. Are you saved? You know, it's such a simple question. One that even a child could give. If you're a teenager, you could be a soul winner. Amen. You know, you grow, you know, and you mature and you learn and you understand and, and you know more things about the world. And you're, you know, you're kind of more aware of some things you could share with others, the gospel. Amen, teenagers. All right, we got teenagers in here, right? You could be a soul winner. You could share the gospel with somebody. If you're single, if you're married, you could be a soul winner. If you work for somebody, you could be a soul winner. If somebody works for you, you could be a soul winner. If you have neighbors 
And who in LA doesn't have neighbors, right? Right? We all got neighbors, right? If you got neighbors, you could be a soul winner. Now, whether or not they trust Christ is up to them. All right, let's make it clear. It's up to them. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. All we can do is give them the message. It's up to them because faith is an individual decision. But every one of us has somebody that we could reach, right? Might be a family member, might be a neighbor, might be a coworker, might be a friend way back when from high school that you're still keeping in touch with or anybody that you're still with, you have the opportunity to be a soul winner. And every relationship is an opportunity to win a soul to Christ. So, taking a look at fall outreach and, and just thinking about what we're trying to do in the fall, what we're trying to do regarding fall outreach is, well, if every one of us can and should be a soul winner, then what can we as a church as a whole do to try to help every single one of us? And so fall outreach is kind of that idea of well, we should all be soul winners. How can we just help one another to be soul winners? I know that we have our regular you know, Saturday morning program, and we'll continue to do that, and we'll, we'll talk a few more, uh, uh, give a few more details about that. But we do have the morning outreach that we do every single week. We go out and leave invitations on the door, and we've had people come to our church because they had an invitation left on their door. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Now, some people have come to the church because a friend invited them to the church. And we have different people inviting their friends because of different events. And we're going to have some different events through the fall season. We have a number of different events that we put together. We really put a lot of time and effort into them in order to try to encourage every one of us as believers. All right, here's something that I can invite my friend to. So the first major event that we're going to have in the, in the month of uh, September, it's at the very end. It's our fall festival. And the fall festival, we have, you know, a bunch of games and prizes and candy and we do a raffle, you know, and all these different things. And uh, we have a big event. Try to invite uh, families with kids. Try to come to the church and hear the gospel and, and build a relationship. There's a great opportunity that is there. Towards the end of October, October is kind of our missions month. Uh, we're going to have some missionaries or former missionaries for four weeks out of the, the month of October. On the very last week, we're going to have our international potluck. And uh, we have people from all over the world that are here in the church. And what a blessing to have that. And uh, one of the greatest blessings of that is food. Amen? All right? That's, uh, you know, I love the food. And, you know, oh, what's that over there? Oh, you know, I want to try some of that. And, and uh, that's an opportunity. Hey, why don't you come? We got something special uh, over here at the church. Why don't you just come visit us? We'll have lunch afterwards. You know, a lot of people will come and bring some food from their country. And it'll be great. A few weeks after that, in the month of November, we'll have Thanksgiving Sunday. It's always a wonderful day just for us to, you know, I know that we regularly give thanks, but it's always good to have that special time just, you know, in the Thanksgiving season to be especially thoughtful and thinking about, wow, God is good. Oh, God has been so great. Oh, God has given to me all these things this year. And uh, so we'll have a special service before Thanksgiving Day. We have a meal uh, in place of the Life Connection classes, just a way for us to have fellowship together, be thankful and thank the Lord together. And then, of course, in December, we have Christmas Sunday, which will this year be December the 11th. And so we'll have a, a, an event every single month. And uh, we put these events on just to try to encourage every single one of us to think, you know what? I have a friend who's got kids. They might like coming 
coming to the fall festival. Hey, I have somebody who they used to grow up in church, but they don't really go to church anymore. But, you know, uh, they need to be saved. And, and, and they've been coming, you know, they've talked about going to church on Christmas, you know, and things like that. They might love to come on that day or Thanksgiving Sunday, all of these different things. So we have all of these different events. We have printed invitations. We have, you know, kind of our regular invitations. And we make sure to put, you know, just the basic information, you know, our church, where our church is, the service times. And then on the other side is usually uh, the gospel. And so there's some verses there that you could leave with somebody. And usually when I share the gospel with somebody, I try to have one of those invitations and I use the invitation. Uh, I know we have uh, apps on our phone and, you know, you might have a little Bible that you carry around with you, but I like to have the invitation. And I usually work off the invitation because you never know when you say something and they're taking a look at the invitation, maybe they don't trust Christ that day, but later they took a look at it and they remember the conversation that we had because they're taking a look at the invitation. So we have these invitations. I made special uh, invitations that are like business card size. I like to use those because I can stick them in my wallet and I can leave them at restaurants or I just randomly run into somebody and say, hey, you know what? I want to invite you to my church and I leave an invitation with them. All sorts of different opportunities and uh, really just living life in general. You can invite somebody over to your home. You could uh, do something like uh, our family has uh, tried to do for Thanksgiving or Christmas, sometime around that time of year. Uh, my wife does a great job with baking, so she puts together some things and leaves things with the neighbors. Let them know that we care about them, that we're neighbors together, and then also try to use that as an opportunity to invite people to the church. And so uh, we try to have all of these things with the idea of, hey, let's all be soul winners because soul winning is for everyone, amen? Uh, so many's for everyone. So let, let's try to reach somebody. Let's try to reach somebody. And that's the goal that I have for myself personally is I want to lead somebody to the Lord this fall season, September, October, November, and into December. Uh, I want to be able to invite somebody and bring them into the church so that they can hear the gospel and so that they have an opportunity to be saved. And so soul winning is for everyone. All right. Not only that, I see that soul winning is for everyone. Okay, now I know I just said that. Point number one, if you're wondering, is soul winning is for everyone. If you're following in your bulletins, point number two is soul winning is for everyone. Okay, all right, that's not a typo, that's on purpose. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, in verse number 19, Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19 says, Go ye therefore, all right, all of you that are believers, we should go out and reach people for Christ. And teach all nations. What does that mean? Well, that means every soul can be saved. Amen? Amen? Anybody can be saved. So no matter what country you're from, no matter your background, no matter your education level, no matter what job you work, no matter how much money you make, no matter you're married or single, you have kids, you don't have kids, you live with family, you live by yourself, no matter any of those situations, no matter the language you speak, no matter the culture you come from, no matter the upbringing that you had, you can be saved. That's why soul winning is for everyone. Every believer, we should all try to be soul winners because everybody can be saved. So we go out for everybody. Some messages are exclusive. Sometimes you get a message that is for a specific person and it's not for you, right? When I was in Bible college, I went there my very first year 
and uh, I got put in the dorm. There were four of us. There was a freshman, a sophomore, a junior, and a senior. All right? So I was a junior, and so we had one person from every single year. And so we had a great time. I really enjoyed you know, uh, living with these guys and just you know, sharing testimonies, praying together, things like that. And uh, so we had a good time together. And uh, so we, uh, the, the, the guy who was a senior, he was, he was dating, he would eventually uh, get married. And then uh, the, the um, I think it's the freshman, all right? It would be the freshman. He got a girlfriend that year, okay? The first year, he gets a girlfriend. And uh, so we're like, hey, you know, congratulations, great, you know? Uh, one day, though, he texted a message uh, that was clearly not for me, it was for his girlfriend, okay? <laughs> he put the nickname of his girlfriend in the message, and I was like, I don't think that's for me. <laughs> and so I let him know, and I said, hey, I think this message is not for me. He's like, oh, I'm really sorry, you know, that was my girlfriend. I was like, yeah, I know, <laughs> you know, just letting you know that you texted me instead of your girlfriend, right? I knew that the message that had come to me was not for me. It was for somebody else. But the message of the gospel is not exclusive, no matter who hears it, it's for them. There's no missed uh, text messages of, oh, I think you sent this to the wrong person. Oh, no, everybody needs to be saved. Everybody is a sinner. Everybody needs to trust Christ. Everybody can have salvation. Mark chapter 16, verse number 15. This is why Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every human being can be saved. So that's why soul winning is for everyone. It's for all those people that are out there that are not saved, that can be saved, that God wants them to be saved, and God wants to use us to reach them with the gospel. John chapter 1. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You put your trust in Christ and Christ alone, you can be saved. Every sect and religion, it doesn't matter what religion you were or are a part of, you can be saved. You know, sometimes I go out and I invite people to the church, you know, and I say, hey, you know, I'm from Bible Baptist Church, just like to leave this with you. It's an invitation to our church. You're welcome to come at any time. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. We'd love to answer any questions that you might have. Sometimes the answer I get is, oh, but, you know, I'm a Muslim, or oh, I, I, I'm a Hindu, or oh, I'm an atheist, you know, and, and, and they, they kind of say that to me, you know, I'm not really interested, but also in a way to say, well, that's not for me, right? You're looking for these other people over there. And, and, but really, yeah, this message is for you too. If you're an atheist, you need to be saved, right? If you're a Muslim, you need to be saved. If you're a Hindu, you need to be saved. If you're an agnostic and you don't know what to believe, you need to be saved. Everybody needs to be saved. Everybody can be saved. Every sinner can be saved. Oh, going back, John chapter 3, verse number 15 and 16. This is one of the uh, most famous passages in all the Bible. It says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a wonderful verse. Amen? Yeah. Uh, this is one of the verses that is... Uh, probably the, uh, the most well-known verse in all the Bible. Uh, my oldest child just started school, and this is the passage that she's memorizing in school. John chapter 3, verse 15, I think, down to, uh, to verse number 19. Uh, but this, this passage was given, this, uh, these words of Jesus Christ were given to a religious leader 
Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader, and he had come and to meet with Jesus, and Jesus gave these words to this religious leader and said, you don't know these things? You can be saved. You need to be saved. And he gave some of these words. Every sinner can and should be saved. Mark chapter 2, verse 17, when Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, God's not looking for good people. He's looking for sinners to save. Amen? Right? If you're healthy, you don't need to go to the doctor and you don't need to go through surgery because you're healthy. Amen? It's those that are sick. I, I have an issue. I have a disease. I have an illness. I need help. And so what Jesus is saying is, perfect. If you're a sinner, I can save you. If you're not a sinner, I can't do anything for you. You have no sin. But if you're a sinner, you can be saved. If you will repent, I can heal your soul and I can save you from your sin. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Second Peter says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So soul winning is for everyone. That means all of us that are believers, we should all try and have the desire of reaching somebody with the gospel. Soul winning is also for everyone because, well, everybody needs to be saved. Anyone can be saved. And anyone, everyone should be saved. Thirdly, what we see, you probably guessed it, soul winning is for everyone. Soul winning is for everyone. Well, verse number 19, what do I mean by that? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, Lord willing, we'll see somebody to be saved this fall season. Amen? Oh, somebody's going to pass out an invitation. Somebody's going to meet up with a friend and grab some coffee and, and just kind of bring up some spiritual matters. And, or somebody's just a random stranger might come into the church, hear the gospel, and be saved. Uh, we, we don't know how the Lord works and how people will respond, but Lord willing, we'll see souls saved this fall season. That would be wonderful. Their lives will be changed for all of eternity. They're going to be in heaven. Their sins are forgiven. That's wonderful. They will now become a part of of the calling of reaching others with the gospel. And as you saw in this passage, in a way, soul winning is not just a goal, it's a process that all of us need to go through. Meaning, there's a growth process for us that we need to go through in order to reach others with the gospel. Because we want to see souls to be saved. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, he that winneth souls is wise. The fruit of the righteous is a, a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. The process that Jesus gives here is one of seeing people to be saved, growing them and developing them as Christians so that they would be able to reach others also. Amen? You know, I'm glad for anybody that walks into the doors of our church and is saved, their lives are changed for all of eternity, but I would hate for them to never come again because that's an opportunity for them to grow in the Lord and reach somebody else. For them to understand what God has to say and be strong and firm and faithful to the Lord and reach somebody with the gospel. Uh, verse number 19 begins with the gospel, with salvation. Teach all nations. When you are saved, you are born again. And praise the Lord for that. You have spiritual life. But being born again, you're a 
we'll call it this, a spiritual newborn. Newborns have a lot to learn, amen? They're alive, they're kicking, they're wonderful, we're glad for them, we're happy to see them, but they gotta grow. In order to be able to be helpful to others, they gotta grow. Baptism is the next step. He says, teach all nations then, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. So baptism is important because baptism is the way by which we indicate to others, I'm a believer. Jesus died, he, rose, uh, he was buried and rose again, and he did that for me, and I'm saved, and I am buried in his likeness. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So there's that one aspect of you get saved, you should be baptized to tell others, I'm saved. Well, what, what did you get baptized for? Oh, Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose again from the dead so that I could be saved. And I called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be my savior and now I'm saved. It's an opportunity to share with others. On a church level, baptism is also important. In Acts chapter number two, it says that they that gladly received the word were baptized and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. People wonder, well, how do I become a member of the church? Well, the, the regular process is when you get saved, you get baptized. When you get baptized, you become a member of that church. That's important. You need to be a part of a body. That's God's plan. Then we get to discipleship. Verse number 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So Jesus says, all right, you go reach people with the gospel, you get them baptized and added into the church, and then you teach them. They need to grow. And that's a part of Christian living, growing in the Lord. Sometimes Christians wonder, why should I grow in the Lord? I'm saved. Amen? I can do whatever I want and still go to heaven. Why should I live holy? Why should I serve in the church? Why should I forgive that person for what he did against me? Why should I be patient and long-suffering? Why should I have a godly spirit? Why should I refrain from drinking? Why should I refrain from cursing and using vulgar language? Why, why do all of these things matter? Well, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 gives us a very good reason. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Here's another reason. I want to live as a light so that I can reach others with the gospel. Amen? Luke chapter 19, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. That is the heart and spirit of Jesus Christ. He wanted to seek and to save that which is lost. And if we are going to have the same spirit as the Lord, then we need to have the attitude and spirit of being a light. Every time we sin, we darken the light. It's like we're coating dirt on the outside of the light bulb. It gets harder and harder for others to see. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So the idea is we get saved, we get baptized and added to the church, and then we learn and we grow. 
And so uh, on Saturday mornings, what we're going to do is we're going to have a special program. Normally we meet already every single week on Saturdays and we start at 10 o'clock and we usually have a short Bible challenge. Uh, starting on September the 17th, we're going to do something slightly different and we're going to have a uh, kind of a mini seminar, if you want to put it that way. And the idea is essentially, well, some of you might be thinking, well, I would love to share with somebody the gospel, but I don't really know what to do or how to do it or what to say. What verses should I use? Well, uh, Brother Robbie is going to take the, those 13 weeks on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock and uh, just give some basic principles of, well, how do you introduce somebody to the gospel? Uh, what can you do or what can you say? You know, we go out door knocking, we leave invitations on the door and we knock on the doors and we introduce ourselves. Uh, what do I say? What do I do? What Bible verses should I use? So every single week for about 15 or 20 minutes, Brother Robbie will go through some different aspects of the gospel. I could share your faith with others. And so if you're thinking, you know, I would love to be a soul winner, but I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what verses to use. This will be a wonderful opportunity for you to come. And so starting at 10, we'll have a short class, 15 or 20 minutes. We'll have, a, actually, we'll have a continental breakfast before at uh, 9.30. And so we're going to have uh, that uh, uh, breakfast at 9.30. And uh, there's actually a sign up there on the back table. And if you'd like to come for breakfast, if you could sign up and let us know that you're coming, that'll be a great help to us. Uh, if you're coming, but you're not coming to breakfast, still sign up. That would be great. And uh, we'll be able to pair up some people. Maybe you're thinking, well, I would like to go, but I don't want to get sent out by myself. I have this really funny uh, uh, thing that happened to me. I went out on a missions trip uh, years and years ago. And uh, so we went, to, uh, we went to Mexico, and we were there, and we were supposed to invite people to uh, this event that the church was having. And so there were a bunch of us from the States, and we paired up with a bunch of people from the church there uh, in Mexico. And so, you know, there was somebody from the church with somebody from our church, you know? So the two of them would go, and they would go here and there. Well, it turns out that there were more of us than there were them. So I was paired with my assistant pastor from the States. I didn't speak Spanish. And he didn't speak Spanish either. And so we're just going out like, uh, what do we do? You know, we're like, here, you know, just read the thing. You know, we didn't, we didn't really know what to do or what to say. And, you know, some of you might be feeling like that. Oh, I, I, I'd love to, I'd love for that person to come to the church. I would love for them to be saved. But uh, what do I say? You know, well, this would be a great opportunity for you to come learn some basics, and then also be paired up with somebody else. If you write your name there, and especially if you come and talk to me and say, you know, I'd love to come, but, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, we'll pair you up with somebody who's been there before. Somebody who's been out there, shared the gospel with people, and so you'll have a partner that will go with you every single week as we go out. And so that will be something that we'll do on Saturday mornings in order to fulfill the calling really, that Jesus Christ gave to every one of us in Matthew chapter 4, and he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So the idea is, all right, we want every believer to be equipped to be able to share the gospel with somebody, because every one of us knows somebody that nobody else in the room knows, right? I have neighbors that I know that none of you know. None of you have met my neighbors, or you don't know my neighbors, you don't know who they are, and you, you know, if you went up and you talked to one of my neighbors, they would be like, who are you? You know, I don't know you, but they know me, and so I have that opportunity to share the gospel with them, and so every one of us has that opportunity. You might go traveling, you might run into a random stranger, so it's wonderful to be equipped. So that's the idea of the fall outreach, which is, Soul winning is for everyone. 
And uh, if you're saved, you can grow in the Lord. You can learn about how to be a soul winner and learn from the Bible uh, what believers did in sharing the gospel with others, some verses that we could use and be trained and be able to share the gospel. We'll have a number of different events through the fall season and into December. Uh, just to try to encourage all of us. Let's think about, all right, I want to lead somebody to the Lord this year. I want to lead somebody to the Lord this season. All right, who could it be? Uh, and, and as you're thinking there, maybe you're thinking, you know what? I have a family member that needs to be saved. You know what? I have that relationship. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some time and effort, and I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to make an effort to reach out to them and make opportunities to share the gospel with them, invite them to the church, and maybe just go out and do something together so that we can have a conversation, build a relationship, and share the gospel with them. That's the idea of the, of the fall outreach, really keeping in mind what Jesus Christ said. Why don't we read these? verses once again in verse number 19 jesus saith unto them i'm sorry verse number 18 jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever i have commanded you and lo i am with you always even unto the end of the world amen